Welcome to the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about CPE, go to breadoflifeboise.org. It is another good day to go to the Word of God and there look to Jesus Christ as our only Savior and our complete sufficiency in all things. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hugan. When Adam and Eve first fell into sin, they pointed fingers away from themselves to cast the blame, but God cursed them. Today, this habit continues. We blame anything, anyone but ourselves for our sins. This blame game will end, though. One day, people will stand before the throne of God in judgment. Stripped of their coverings, all will be up for review before a God who will hold them accountable. I think you might find yourselves at times bothered by things that you witness on television, when you see some act of community violence, or when you see some riot of destruction, or when you see some breakdown in the social contract, it's not just the events that you might see witnessed on your television set, but it's the aftermath that oftentimes provides for us the most unsatisfactory answer. Because it would seem in the aftermath of these types of events that when you have these breakdowns in the individual's moral life, or you have a mass moral breakdown in the social order, it seems that no one is ever at fault. That it's always the result of some impersonal influence. It's always the result of some environmental cause or some economic cause or some lack of education. Some system is at fault. Some cultural prejudice is at fault. Some shadowy conspiracy of the empowered is at fault. But never, never is any one person to be blamed. Well, this can be distressing. As a result, of course, since there's no persons to blame, the answer is never to have someone come clean. It's never to have a confession of sin. It's never for persons to make amends. It's never anyone being held accountable. It's never anyone doing the right thing. No, the answer is always in some far-off distant hope that some broken system, which we don't really know where it's broken, can be adjusted. And so we just debate about where it may be broken or where it's not broken. The real result in this is that people feel that there is no systemic justice around them. And because they feel that there's no systemic justice around them, they go periodically on chaotic riots of destruction. Uh, Since the system isn't just, they justify their own acts of injustice. Since no one's doing the right thing, why should I? Why don't I protest the lack of justice by doing unjust things myself? Actually, we've kind of come to this place in our present day society with the help of intellectuals who have tried to solve the problem and tell us what the real answers are. And usually their answers have not solved the problem. They've just created more problems. Here's an example. B.F. Skinner. B.F. Skinner is a person who gives cover for the actions of our day and age. He actually gives the rationale behind the actions that we see so often being carried out on our television sets. B.F. Skinner was a behavioral psychologist. He had an idea that significantly still today is influencing our society more and more. He was born in 1904. He died in 1990. B.F. Skinner taught a behavioral determinism. Basically, what he taught was that Every act of the individual is so determined by conditions and forces that lie outside of themselves to the extent that any individual act must be seen as the only act that could have happened. It's not them. It's the forces outside of themselves. This is what he said at one point in time in one of his books as a conclusion to his argument. 
that a sweeping revision of the concept of human responsibility is needed. We will have to abandon the illusion that men are in control of their own behavior. For whether we like it or not, we are all controlled. So what Skinner theorized was that there needed to be a system of government control that would develop the influences that could program people to the most positive outcomes of behavior. The greater consequence, or we might say the greatest outworking of all of this, the consequence of his view was to restrain people from holding other people responsible for their actions. It was to instead teach us to pin our hopes on systems and programs and institutions that would create the right environment for positive outcomes and conversely it was teach us to blame those same institutions for our choices and our behavior. Instead of saying the devil made me do it, we say the system made me do it. Behavioral determinism. So why do groups of people burn down buildings or turn over cars or break the windows or go on riots? Well, because they feel that the systems around them are unjust, and also because they feel that they are not responsible for their actions. Thank you, B.F. Skinner. What is the Bible's answer to this behavioral determinism? Well, in short, what the Bible says is this. First, yes, we live in an unjust world. We live in an unjust world of men because, well, the Bible says there is no one righteous, no, not one. The systems of social order are governed by unjust, unrighteous people. These people are also ignorant of the true nature of things. They don't have a gathering together of all the facts, and so because of their ignorance, they cannot implement perfect justice. When they honestly wish to correct injustice, they are also limited in power, to prevail against the force of an unjust world to an extent that no matter what they do, there's always something that's left undone. They never can contain the full contagion of injustice that sweeps over the world in which we live in because they're limited in their power. And when they do know enough of the facts and when they also have some measure of power to institute a correction, the other problem is that people are respecters of persons. And they will adjust their understanding of those facts to service those they are conditioned to be most sympathetic towards. So, as a result, we live in a world in which true justice has not yet appeared. Every society of men, every form of human government, presides over a broken system where their members are subjected to greater or lesser degrees of injustice just the way it is. That's the first answer. Well, you're right. There's injustice. Here's the second answer. Even so, everyone is individually responsible for their unrighteous action. Everyone is. You cannot excuse your behavior by saying that everyone does it. You cannot excuse your behavior by saying nobody cares anyway. You cannot say because we live in a world full of cheats, you have to cheat. Because you live in a world full of liars, the only way to exist is to lie yourself. Because you're surrounded by injustice and righteousness, you cannot argue that it's appropriate at the points and times to be unjust and unrighteous yourself. It's okay. It's just how we survive. You can't do it. The reason you can't say that is because though there is injustice everywhere, there is a just one. 
and though there is unrighteousness everywhere, there is still a righteous one. And he does not relinquish judgment. He is holding it for a day when everything will be judged by his perfect standard. If you have your Bibles open to Revelation 20, I'd like to read to you verses 11 through 15. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. We'll consider this passage together this morning. This takes us to the moment of final judgment. And here we find that God is perfectly, powerfully just, and that man, every man, is responsible before him. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead which were in them, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We're not going to have to, it wouldn't be wise to give a lot of illustrations in this passage. We're going to let the word here speak for itself and just briefly provide commentary. In this moment, we are at the great white throne. This is the very last moment in the history of the earth. It occurs after that period that is called, or those periods that are called the tribulation, and then also that, the thousand year reign of Christ on earth, which is called the millennium. Human history now is going to be folded up into eternity future. And after this moment, there will be the introduction of the new heavens and the new earth that you'll read about in Revelations chapter 21 and 22. But in that place, in the new heaven that comes down upon the earth, we read there will be no sin, there will be no death, there will be no separation, there will be no sorrow. But before this can come to pass, God must render His final judgment on all of the unrighteous from all of the ages, and that is what is taking place at this moment. Just as there is a physical resurrection of those who die in Christ, resurrected to experience the glory and the enjoyment of Christ forever, there is also a physical resurrection of all those who die without Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. Only this, those who die in Christ rise in glorified bodies, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that are suited for the unending glory that's to be revealed and poured out upon them. But those who die without Christ rise with bodies that are plagued with their own sins and that are prepared for unending agony. Those who die in Christ are raised dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is put upon them and granted to them by their faith in Him. These here, in this passage, stand naked or in their own rags of their own works. The resurrection of the body is a great hope for the believer in Jesus Christ. But this resurrection is a moment of great dread. Please note again, there's no sensationalism in what we've read here. The descriptions are clipped, they're short, they're final. You can actually go and find other material that was written around this time, apocryphal material, in which there are all kinds of graphic scenes portraying the agonies of hell and of destruction and of its rage. 
Yet when God speaks, He limits the language. He restrains Himself. We're supposed to take it as far as He takes it, and it's far enough. The first thing I want you to notice here is that there is a great white throne and one is seated upon it. The throne is great. And speaking of great speaks of its power. It is great because it's above all the other thrones of men. It represents in its greatness the overwhelming rule of a sovereign, all-powerful God who is prevailing over all time and all the ages and all men and all things. The throne is also white. It's a great white throne. And it's white because it speaks of the absolute holy purity and righteousness that was to come forth from this throne. There is no shadow of limitation. There is no shadow of sin that is cast over this place of judgment. There is one who is sitting on this throne, and he is of such power and of such holy purity that when his face is revealed, the earth as we know it and the heaven as we know it flies away from his presence. Now this likely marks a moment in the history of the universe and God's created order that's spoken of in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 12. There, in verse 10, we're told that the earth will burn up and all of the works within it will burn up. And then we read, and also the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. This has been the Bread of Life, a program of the International Outreach Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate mission church, Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our ministry and how your support can help us reach lost men and women around the world, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until next time, God bless you.